talk about is Mr. Kramer with Mad Money. He can help you make a fortune, but you have to be able to understand and use his info correctly. Most people don't use the knowledge and the info correctly. For the past few years, and he used to not do this before, but he's been doing it over the past couple of years, warning people to avoid being emotional about his recommendations, meaning that you got to think. He also, more so than he ever has in the past, been talking about charts. Listen to what he says, though. What he'll say is, if I say buy this, it doesn't necessarily mean buy it tomorrow. <clears throat> and so when he recommends something, everybody, y'all should apply what you know from what you're learning in Fast Track and use that to analyze his recommendations. Analyze it in terms of timing and entry. Many of his recommendations are good, but they may not be signaling a proper entry the very next day. <clears throat> Check the website. You can find his recommendations. If you hear or read where he says the stock's a buy, go look it up. And you only want to trade those on your workspace. If it's not on the workspace, keep a separate list that you can review over the summer to see if it's a possible star for the adjustment to the workspace that we're going to do in September. It's all about discipline. It doesn't mean you're going to make money trading that stock, but it could be a candidate for a new list in September. <clears throat> and you have to watch out because if you start chasing every little shiny looking stock that you hear about, you're going to drive yourself nuts. <clears throat> if you read Kramer's books and or listen to what he says, what he writes on his website, he'll say that you can't predict when a stock's going to go up. And I don't know that I agree with him to put it very mildly. And he says to buy on the way down because you can't really tell when it's gonna go up. I'm like, what? It doesn't make sense, but that's what he says. Never, never do that. You use AppCat. You don't buy on the way down. If you see that MACD's still going down on the daily and the 233, and what you've already learned in PALS and thus far in Fast Track, you already know it's not a buy yet. But if all the ind indicators are about to cross going up and you're coming off a strong support, then you all have been hopefully studying this long enough to know that that stock is very likely to go up from that point. <clears throat> you never act instantly on what Kramer says. Just watch. And you watch all the charts. <clears throat> and you'll find that you can do this pretty well using Kramer's info coupled with what you learn in Fast Track. Be aware also, he says his recommendations are based on an 18-month hold. That means that buying an option on his stuff may not be such a great idea. And you have to learn to evaluate if that stock moves enough so to be able to buy an option on it and expect it to move enough within the time frame that you would see an option expect to work. <clears throat> if not, then you'd ask yourself, do you have enough money and the proper temperament to buy the stock and wait for it to work. You can't just act, you gotta think. Kramer says over and over and over again, you gotta do your homework. You've gotta enter the trade at the right time, even though Kramer says to buy on the way down. I strongly disagree with that. Look for the proper entry. And you'll get to the point where, where Kramer will come out and recommend ABC stock. And then you'll be talking to the TV saying, Jim, Jim, I think you're a few days early. It's a great stock, it moves well, but it's currently pointing lower. And when Kramer says that that something's gonna go up tomorrow, it often will go up tomorrow. 
And then, assuming the indicators were already pointing south, it'll likely come moving right back down. If you pay attention to the indicators on the chart, you won't be surprised. And you apply that same logic when Kramer's saying sell, sell, sell. Right, when he says sell, 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 my assumption, my opinion is he assumes we're nearing a place where it's not gonna go up anymore. But you already know to look at MACD and everything on the next bigger charts to see if it's true. And just because he says sell doesn't mean it's gonna tank tomorrow. He says buy on the way down and he also says sell on the way up. The selling statement to me makes sense. You sell on the rise, but you analyze it with intellect rather than emotion. All you're doing is looking at his recommendations, his commentary through the lens of the fast track knowledge. Now, so when you go, wait a minute, you're telling me I should trade what Kramer does? No, it's not what I'm saying. You can, I, I haven't watched Kramer in months. You don't need him. I'm just saying if you're watching him and you're, and you're picking up, the dude is a wealth of knowledge. I've not heard of anyone that is better. And yeah, he gets them wrong. I'm not worried about timing based on what he says. But he comes up with some stock names every now and then that end up being on the watch list. It's just a way to do some potential research for future names. It's a way to think about it. When you're looking at the market, you have to learn to come at this being neutral. You gotta avoid the trap of having a bias stuck in your brain, and then you force that bias onto the market. You gotta trade what the market's doing, not what you hope and not what you want it to do. You can anticipate, you can expect, but you gotta trade what the market is doing. If you listen to the words that Chris and I use, He'll say, well, you see it's doing this. I, would, I won't be surprised if the stock goes up from here. I won't be surprised if it drops from there. That's a huge statement from a psychological perspective. It's very non-committal if you think about it. You're not saying it's going up because now if you're wrong, that may get in your head. Bullish 3X, bigger charts are pointing up. I won't be surprised to see that thing rise. That's pretty much saying it's going. But if it doesn't, you're not wrong. I said, I won't be surprised. I didn't say it was going up. I just said, I won't be surprised if it goes up. Subtle difference in semantics. Huge difference in mental outlook. So you can anticipate a trade, but you don't get in on anticipation. You only enter the trade once it's a trade. And as soon as you start doing that, you'll find yourself getting closer and closer to getting in at the beginning of the trade. Now, notice I said trade, not price movement. It's the trade. And you'll get out closer to the absolute end of the trade. Again, not the price movement. There's a difference. Doesn't mean the price didn't start moving earlier. Doesn't mean the price won't continue to go up a little bit longer after the trade's over. We get a chunk of the move. So the stock may move from 95 to 120, but the trade is from 100 maybe to 100 and, I don't know, 10, 15, something like that. <clears throat> Got to be careful too, because being early, in early on an option is wrong. The reason for that is time decay will kill you. 
So being market neutral really is a mindset. It's a way to think. It's a thought process. And you're only going to trade what it is doing when it is doing it. And you don't care what direction that is. It doesn't matter. So that means you could be in a call position in one stock and you could have a put trade on another one. And the reason is because you're trading what that particular stock is doing. So you can be in a bullish position when the market's going down. You learn to anticipate, then you won't be surprised. But you only trade what it is doing, when it is doing it. Got to keep that clear in your head. We're in late April. At this point in the transitional season, a long-lasting trade would generally be about a week. By the time we get together in May, fast-track session in May, a long-lasting trade will be probably about four days. And you're going to find that the <clears throat> trade, duration, trade durations will get shorter and shorter as you get deeper into this transitional season and then deeper into the summer. It doesn't change anything. Without exception, we still use all the charts. In fact, your focus, remember, with the income account trades, you're focused on a daily in 233. If we've got splits rolling out, it feels almost like you can schedule income account trades, either through your earnings research, historical research, or through splits. And the vast majority of them will work. They may not all make, I don't know, 10%. But there's very few of them that don't work at all. And you'll find when we get into seeing more stock splits, you'll have that list, you look, and you'll see that sometime in the next week, or the next eight weeks, one of them's going to show up. Other question that comes up is, what do you do if you've got two trades that are ready at the same time? Which one do you choose? And the answer is you choose the best looking one. You do, you do the trade that looks the best. And what do you mean looks the best? What well, has the most or the best reasons going for it with all that you know? Use, if you want to use the reasons a page from last month, that's fine. But make a list of the, of the reasons for you. Make a list of the trades against you and weigh it out. Remember, we're looking at all the charts, and you're looking for your trade to begin when you see the triple cross, and then you count the reasons on the next two bigger time frames. Stoke doesn't have to be above 80. doesn't have to be below 20. You're going to find you, may, you like the results better. It's not mandatory. You're trading in the direction of the movement of the lines. If it's above 80 coming down or below 20 going up, you're going to have more confidence trade's going to work. But the trade isn't dependent on that. Okay, so don't get, don't, you pay attention to it. You get to decide if you want to make it a mandatory or not. Also, you're going to find that there will be some stocks that will not work all year. Gave the assignment back in January to swizzle your watch list and to sort it by stars, subs, and scrubs within each sector. 
And you'll find as you now get into the summer, generally speaking or broadly speaking, the scrubs typically won't work with options because the price will just vibrate around. You get chewed up on time decay. The subs may or may not work well with options. Or you can just buy enough shares to make their small movement a viable trade. And some stocks will move well enough all year long to be able to trade options on it all year long. Others don't. And you need to know which is which. And so if you're only going to trade options, if your account size is limited, you can only trade options, then you got to know which stocks are off limits with regard to options because they're not going to move enough during the summer to work well if you're just trading options. <clears throat> you can get enough movement if you simply trade the stock. It move 50 cents, a dollar, two dollars, whatever it is. You take the brick, close the trade. But you have to know which are which. That just takes time and effort to study and figure that out. You'll start to see it. Just because the market, the stock market's open doesn't mean you have to be trading. You know, there's retail stores that are open 24-7. But just because they're open, you don't have to go in there every day. Along the same line of thinking, just because the stock market store is open, you only go there when you've got something you want to buy or sell. Because just because the doors are open doesn't mean you need to be shopping. If we're doing five to 10 trades a month, that means there's going to be days where you're not trading. There's nothing there to do. If you don't have any open trades and you don't see a potential trade for the upcoming day from doing your homework the night before, you don't need to be looking at the market. Because you can look at it again and again and again. You'll talk yourself into something. But what you do is you look for it, you look at the market after the close. You're doing your analysis and see if any potential trades are setting up for the next day. Also, as you go through fast tracks, you're going to get to the point where you can predict mediocre moves. Doesn't mean you trade it, even though you can predict where it's going to go and you do it very well. <clears throat> you heard Chris say earlier, right? He has a percentage movement that he looks for or he won't bother with the trade. And so you have to learn to predict the mediocre move and also learn to not trade the mediocre move. What you're looking for are five to 10 ideal setups, prom queens, you know, knife at the throat, obvious, whatever you want to call it, five to 10 of those trades per month. Also, something to keep in mind, <clears throat> you're going to trade poorly. If you sit too close to the monitors, you only want to do those trades that look good to you when you're on the other side of the room. You would think if you're trying to see, hmm, I can't tell if the indicators are crossing and you lean in and you put a nose print on your screen, that's the wrong way to do it. You get up and you walk to the furthest corner of your room and now look at the chart from across the room. And if it doesn't look like a trade from across the room, it's not a trade. What you're looking for is quality over quantity because quality beats quantity every single time. You'll end up trading less, but you'll trade better. <clears throat> get a free, there's a, a common comment, a frequent comment that you hear from fast track students as the year progresses. They trade less, they trade better, 
and then make more money. I had a note from a student, he was, we were texting in the chat box earlier today. Um, he said, skipping trades has been huge for me. Learning to only trade what I feel most confident about has made my trading percentage go through the roof. I believe he's in his little bit past his first year and he's got 18 of the last 20. And the two that were losses were very small. He's learning, training himself to look for quality. And then also when it's not working, he's closing it. And it's not bothering him to close the trade. <clears throat> so what you need to do is you got to learn to recognize and avoid the mediocre trades. Leave the crap alone. Wait for the prom queen. Because you learn, the idea is to learn to recognize good trades. You get in at a good point, And you learn to stay longer in the trade for a bigger profit. And you become more disciplined as you trade less, but you trade better. And as you trade better, you become more confident. And as you become more confident, you find it easier to use more money. When you use more money, you make more money. Let me say that again. You see the progression. <clears throat> you trade better because you learn to recognize good trades. And you get in at the proper entry. And now you learn to stay longer so you get a bigger profit. But what happens in doing that is become disciplined because, and, and you trade less and less. And you trade better. And as you trade better, your confidence grows. And as you gain confidence, you find it easier to use more money. Because you're confident. Your, your results are showing themselves. And then when you use more money, you make more money. This is the whole damn reason you took the class to begin with. But a lot of you jump in too quick with big money before you're ready. You don't have the confidence built. <clears throat> with your LTH, your long-term holdings, you got to constantly be aware of them, but you don't babysit them. Uh, you can check on them for covered calls or for insurance eh, once a week or so. And you'll, if you just glance at it, you'll have an idea as to whether you need to go back and be looking at it more closely. Your insurance on the LTH is based on the weekly or the daily charts. And you're doing covered calls on the daily or the 233. On Monday, you can have a pretty good idea if it's anywhere close to needing insurance. And on Monday, you can also have a pretty good idea about doing any covered calls. But you don't need to spend a lifetime paying attention to your long-term holding. First three glance once a week is generally all that you need to be aware of what the LTH is doing. Also, I can't give advice, but let me give you a suggestion. Never use a biotech or a clinical trial pharma company or any company that tends to have big swings due to surprise news items in your LTH. You trade those in your trading account. Oh, I'm sorry, LTH, I meant your income account. But I would avoid them in the income account. Now, it's definitely possible that bad news can hit any stock. But those bad news events are more, they seem more likely to occur when you're with a biotech or a pharmaceutical company. Just be aware, right? The objective is to get you to retirement so you can walk away from the job. But I don't want to see you have to go back because you decided to trade a biotech and watch your income account take a 50% haircut. <clears throat> okay. 
on your watch list, there are going to be stocks that come out with bad news. When that happens, those are great opportunities. It's going to gap down on bad news. Remember, gap down to go down. Typically, when the stock has bad news, CNBC will not get off its back. It is annoying. They're just relentlessly grinding it down. They'll beat on it some more. Initially, you can look to make money as it's falling. And at some point in time, CNBC will continue to be ranting and throwing bad news, you know, all these negative articles and negative pieces on that stock. But then you'll notice that the stock doesn't want to go down anymore. And I'm not talking over the course of one day. This happens over a period of time. <clears throat> you'll start to see it happening on the weekly and the daily at strong support. And then you'll see CNBC come out again with another uh, negative article and they'll dump on the stock. And what happens is stock price just vibrates around. At that point, it's probably finished going down. And then you'll see the indicators will be bottoming them out, bottoming out. And now you start watching the charts for opportunities to make money on the rise. What you can do if you like, keep a list of stocks that move that have had bad news. Just keep a separate list. <clears throat> You've probably done the news homework to be able to discern nuggets from noise. And you already know what types of noise or what type of news is devastating to a stock. You want to avoid those. Yeah, once a week, maybe Sunday, got a little free time. Look at the weekly and daily charts. Don't get caught up in the smaller ones. And you're looking for the indicators on the weekly or daily to have bottomed. And once they've bottomed, now you look at all the charts, looking for opportunities to trade it as it starts to rise. And some of those stocks will be great for a no-cost account leg or wall of your structure because <clears throat> some of the best no cost legs are those that have the crap kicked out of them beaten down beaten down lower band weekly chart indicators verifying it as long as the company's not going out of business at that point you can buy the stock or a deep in the money leap for a no cost account and these stocks tend to have lots of resistance areas above it think of them as purple lines or white lines <clears throat> and those are spots where all of the bad news places where the stock fell to paused, then it fell lower than it paused. Right? So a support on the way down, now it becomes resistance on the way back up. <clears throat> so you buy it at or near the bottom, starts going up, hits a purple line. You could sell calls right there. Watch it fall, you capture the call premium. You follow the rules for the no-cost account, which means you got to be good at covered calls and at doing the printing method. Bernanke approach, and then it's going to rise again. Then it's going to hit resistance again. Then you sell another call. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Just do it over and over and over and over. You're buying near the bottom, so it shouldn't take long to remove all the money out because you're buying the stock cheap. And so now, not from a tax perspective, from a mental perspective, your cost basis now approaches zero. And when you get a cost basis down to zero, it's, it's like a private ATM for the rest of your life. You can squeeze all the money out by doing covered calls on a share of stock. It's like owning a rental property and you've had a tenant in there long enough to pay for the price of the property. Terrific. Difference is you don't have a mortgage on this. It's an interesting way to think about it. Super six, we've talked about this before. If you go look at charts, Look at lots of stocks. Look at the market, the market averages. 
You even see it on the sectors. You'll often see that the first of the month movement happens time and time again. And it seems to happen right around the last three or so trading days of the month into the first three or so trading days of the next month. And you'll hear us say in class throughout the year, super six, super six, super six. It's that ballpark six day period. The movements there are more often up than down. Don't overlook the super six. There's lots of opportunities there. And if you already are in an open position, the super six time of the month can sometimes act as a catalyst for those existing trades. If you don't already have an open position, you can find trades usually on the 55. Important dates, we talked about these before, right? You got the first of the quarter, you got the first of the year. There's <clears throat> other stuff I'm not gonna bother with that. Uh, let's see. In the summer, if you get a run-up during the week, you'll almost always see a sell-off on Friday. And it works the opposite way too. So in the summer, if you see a downdraft during the week, you'll almost get a rebound on Friday. <clears throat> Most people understand the market is more thinly traded during the summer. There's smaller amounts of volume. And so if the market's up for three or four days going into Friday, the professional traders are thinking they'd like to go home for the weekend as neutral in cash. So they sell off the winners, which causes the market to drop back down, either flat or down on Friday. <clears throat> when you get into very, very volatile times, the market will or can run up enough Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and then Friday is almost always a very, very volatile time going back down. When there's a lot of bad news out in the world, Iran, North Korea, Russia, all the geopolitical stuff acting up, you'll start seeing a lot of times that if the market has moved one direction or the other going into Friday, then you'll see the market being flat to the opposite direction on Friday. So if it's, if it's bad news going into Friday, it'll rise on Friday. If for some reason world peace breaks out, the market rises Monday through Thursday, Friday you'll see it pull back. It's interesting to see. You see it a lot during the summer. You say, well, why does that happen? I don't know. I think the reason is that anything can happen over the weekend, and the professional doesn't want to be exposed to geopolitical stuff that can happen over the weekend if the ugliness is there. So they prefer to trade Monday through Friday, don't hold open positions over the weekend. And then once volume returns in the fall, people come off a of summer vacation, then you don't see the market being as impacted by the lower volume moves. And then traders start holding their positions over the weekend again. You see it year after year after year. That's just part of listening to the news. You've I mean, I don't know if you would have figured it out on your own, but that right there is the worth, worth the price of fast track. To understand that, you'll see that. A trade strategy for you, it's known as a 10% put. <clears throat> when you see the weekly chart poised to go down and you have to have the weekly, and your research shows that the stock typically, typically drops from the spring high as it falls into the summer, 
This is where doing your historical movement research comes in handy. What you can do then is buy an out-of-the-money put, and you use the out-of-the-money strike that's closest to about 10% from the current stock price. So if the stock's at $100, an out-of-the-money put would be a 90. I'm sorry, it would be something less than 100. 10% below 100 would be a 90 strike. And then you look to use an expiration, that's about three months beyond where you expect the move to end. I didn't say buy three months of time. On your prediction, where do you think that movement is going to end? Number of candles, spot on the chart, whatever it may be. How long do you expect it to get there? And that comes from doing the predictive work. And then for an expiration date on that 10% put, add three months to that date. So for example, if you expect the, end, the move to end around September, October, because you're going into the fall winter season, then buy uh, December or January options, right? Ballpark three months. <clears throat> this approach works best with stocks that move with their sector and the market. Because if you do that, that allows you to confirm the down move. You're going with the market. The 10 I got all this written down for you. You just follow along and then go, go practice this. Go look for these. <clears throat> the 10% put is usually done starting at the spring high or at the high that you, ought, that you may often see in the April-May earnings run. You only look to do one or two of these per year. Something you could look at, if you'd like, look at home builders and home builder related stocks to see historically how they perform going into the summer. Will it happen again this year? I don't know, but go look at it. There's a hint for you. That's just one. You can find others. The other side of that coin is the 15% call. So when you see the weekly chart poised to rise, and again, you have to have the weekly. The trade will often show up at or near the low of the summer for stocks that move aggressively into the fall winter season. And this approach works best with stocks that have good upside potential. <clears throat> Excellent areas for this. The casino stocks in Vegas, brokerage stocks, tech firms, you may find that the 15% calls work better than the 10% puts. All depends on market condition. But you got to pay attention to the weekly charts and take what's given. Don't be greedy. If you've got a large IRA, for example, you could use maybe a small percentage, uh, max maybe 5% for this strategy is kind of an ultra strategy. Because when these work, it's not uncommon to see results that are well beyond 100%. And imagine doing that twice with an ultra strategy. If it works, the results are huge. If it fails, you impacted your large IRA balance by less than 5%. Okay, not bad. Interesting way to think about it. Uh, let's see, Chris, you did the analysis of the sectors right when we were on before or did you just do the indices uh both okay so we did these already yeah cool you did hey chris can i ask a question before you move on yeah go ahead yeah go ahead so uh, when you're doing these does it have to be the stock can you actually buy the etf 
or something of that nature? Or do these work better, the 10% put at 50%? I guess you don't have options, though, on those, do you? So that sort of negates my question, doesn't it? Well, you don't want to do it on the, the, um, the, um, the ETFs. The yeah, OK. And they have options. Some, some, yeah, some do, I guess. OK. OK. All right. Yeah, but do it on a stock. Do it on the stock itself. Okay. And Eric, Eric, the reason why I think about it, when you see, let's say the S&P goes on a run here and it moves 5% north from this point or whenever the next, and when, when next it has a 5% run. In fact, what you do for homework, go back and look over the last two years and find, or even five years, find little spots on the SPY chart, on the Q chart, sorry, on the Q's chart <clears throat> where it had a 5% or greater run you know, running band to band or something close to it. And just jot down those beginning and end dates. You know, so maybe it ran from January 4th to January 21st or whatever the date is in the year. Just jot it down. <clears throat> and, you know, again, take that back about five years. It'll take you literally four minutes to do that. And then what you do is go look at a leading stock. Moves more. A couple of them. And look at those dates. And you'll find that the leading stocks, the moving stocks will move somewhere between two and three times what the market did. Right. So if the market moves 5%, the leading stocks will move somewhere between 10, 15 to 20%, if not more. That's why I want to trade the volatile stocks and not the ETF. Yeah, okay. Okay, so the way I was thinking about it was if you're picking one and you happen to pick the wrong one that moves, but if you pick the ETF, you're actually, you're not getting as much of a move, but you're getting, you know, a higher probability that you would capture the move? Or is that nope. the wrong way to think? Okay. Wrong way to think. Follow the rules. It works well. Okay. And if, it ends, we... if you pick a dog, so what? Next year you'll get it. Yeah, okay. Okay, all right, thank you. You're welcome. Other questions on the 15% call or 10% put? Hey, Chris, you mentioned... Hey, Yasha. Hey, man, uh, you mentioned uh, one to two sort of 10% put trades a year. Is that about the same for the 15% calls? Yes. I, I mean, it all depends. Well, you tell me. If you're just starting out, you know, you, you got a limited number of cap, you got a limited amount of capital limited number of trades available. And this isn't something that just lasts for three days. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Right, so it's gonna really depend on what your experience level is, what your balances are. <clears throat> you know, I say, you know, do no more than two open trades. Does that mean that if I have a 15% call that I can't do two options trades? Well, if you're starting with a $2,500 account, that's a true statement. But as you gain experience, I could easily understand where you might have maybe two 15% call trades open, and you're still trading as you normally would in the, in the trading account and even in the income account. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's clear. Thanks. Cool, cool. You're welcome. Chris, you had a question? I think we cut you off. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. You said uh, uh, strike closest to 10% of the current stock price was a, a 90 delta. Is that correct? 
Yeah, let's see what we got. On the ten percent put. Oh no, no, I was giving an example. So if, if the okay. stock is a hundred dollars, if I said delta, that was my bad. What I, I meant to say a ninety strike. Okay, cool. Make sense? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, so it's a 90. So if you think about it, Chris, you know, if the stock's at 100 and it's dropping, a, a, a strike price that's higher than 100 is in the money on a put. So I'm going to buy an out of the money and go about 10% out. So that would put me at about a 90. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was caught behind taking notes. So I missed yeah, uh, No problem. I, missed no, the good. I, I want to be sure yeah, because that would be a big difference if you got that wrong. Make sure I get the written in the notes right. Research shows, buy an out-of-the-money put. Use the out-of-the-money strike closest. Yeah, fourth bullet there, Chris. Use the out-of-the-money strike closest to 10% from the current price. So if the stock is at 100, and I always have to say this because people get confused sometimes on in-the-money and out-of-the-money when you deal with puts. Right, You expect the stock to fall. So out-of-the-money means it's got to catch up to it. So that means that the 90 strike would be out of the money, and that ends up being about 10% further than the than the current stock price at 100. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I, I just heard it wrong while I was taking notes. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. And I, I, Chris, I know you're not the only one, so that's why I'm repeating it, no problem. Cool, thank you. You're welcome. Other questions? Perhaps I missed it, Chris, but is the same three months beyond where expected stock to move, uh, same rule for the call trades? 15 yeah, calls. pretty much. Got it. Yasha, typically you'll see these as you're going into the fall winter season, right? As you're coming off a summer low. Yeah, right. And it's powering up through the through the fall season. So you know, generally they're going to last through. It all depends on the style. It obviously, depends on a whole bunch of stuff, and it is kind of a guess. But generally, the move's going to last into the end of the year, maybe a little bit into January. So give yourself enough time. And then the challenge always comes up. The question always comes up. Hey, what do I do through earnings? Do I hold, what, this is a trade. Do I hold the trade through earnings? Do I dump it? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And my answer is yes. You got to read the chart. You got to read your gut. You got to make a judgment call. If you think there's a great likelihood that this thing could have a dramatic swing around earnings, you have to decide, are you willing to give a lot back if they come out with something bad? And if that's gonna trouble you more than it would trouble you, more than it would cheer you to take a big up on a positive gap, you gotta make that call. I can't make that call for you. But you know, if you did have, if you close the trade to not hold through earnings and then it had a big pop, you can't kick yourself, you just made some good money. Don't worry about it. That is not going to be the last time that happens. Guarantee. I don't know if Chris will remember the story, but um, way back when, probably, well, it's got to be at least 10 years ago, um, <clears throat> there was a stock on the split list that had the word, what was it called? Pharmacet. Like pharmacy asset. And... If you read the description, it said something about a biotech firm. 
I'm like, ah, man, it sounds interesting. And it had some nice price action movement. But because it said biotech right at the beginning, I chose not to read any further. And I didn't choose, and I chose not to do the split trade on it. Perfect setup. Lamb did the same thing. <laughs> Two days after the perfect setup was there, they had a buyout offer. That thing, I think it was a 100% increase over the current stock price. Some crazy numbers, like an 80 or it might have been 100%, 80, 90, 100% um, tender offer. So if the stock was trading at 100, some came, somebody came in offering them 200 bucks a share. And then I went down, I was like, wow, look at that. And I read the description and they said, biotech stock, we do data analytics <laughs> for biotech companies. Like shit, it's a tech firm. And I saw the word biotech and I got lazy and didn't do it. And so I missed an opportunity to have a 100% income account trade literally in like three days. So lesson for the wise if you don't know what the company does don't just read the first word in the sentence <laughs> read read a, read a couple sentences to, to understand what they do so i remember chris was at work and i called him and said hey i think you i'm trying to remember but he wasn't home when i called him I said when you get home you're going to turn on cnbc you're not going to be happy he's like what what happened and i explained it. we laughed i was like eh, we'll get it get it on the next one no problem you know if he's still on he might have stepped away with the kids but that stuff can happen. You don't worry about it. You'll go get the next victim. The cheetah doesn't eat every ant, doesn't catch or eat every animal that it chases down. Any other questions on the calls and puts? In the world, there's two types of people. And that applies in this room as well. I don't really know what to call them. I know the have more isn't one and the wish mores. I didn't know of another way to describe it. But the wish mores are people, they wish they had more, more time, more money, more opportunities, you know, a, a better life. And then there's the have mores. And they work their tail off to turn their wish more stuff into actually having more stuff. When I say stuff, I don't mean material items. It's freedom. It's the ability to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. It starts with the work. The have more started as wish mores. Everybody starts as a wish more. The have more understands where they're comfortable. But in order to have more, you got to grow beyond where you currently are. I started off talking about growth. Have mores are willing to work their butt off. It starts with the work. It always begins with the work. <clears throat> Anybody that you know that is super successful at anything they do, they work their tail off to get there. What's interesting about the stock market is a lot of the stock market work is in the dark. It's in the, you know, you shut the door in the back bedroom. Nobody else can see. And then when the success shows up, it looks like you didn't have to work for it because people don't see what you're doing. Your family knows you're sitting back there, or maybe they think you're playing, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto on your computer, who knows? But they don't see it, because you're home doing it. Everyone in the room knows you don't get good in the stock market without working your butt off. That doesn't mean you can't make money. 
but making money and being good in the stock market are two different things. You can be in a bullish trend and make money. It doesn't mean you're good. It just means you were in. The work to get good at this is done behind closed doors in your house. Typically, it's done at night. And your friends, some of your family, your neighbors, they don't see the work. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, years from now, the results start showing up. And they think you got that way overnight. And they're not wrong. Well, they're kind of correct. Because while they were asleep at night, you were working your butt off. So you did get it overnight. But it was just a lot of overnights. But it always begins with the work. There's the wish mores and the have mores. And you get to decide which one you are. It's totally your choice. Nobody tells you. Nobody puts the obstacle there. You get to decide if you're going to go grab the oars and row. Bruce Lee had a great line. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. And willing is not enough. We must do. I love sharing this stuff. Thank you for letting me ramble in the screen and go through this stuff. I really enjoy it. Not just the stock market, but sharing it. See people's eyes light up. I get some phenomenal comments back on emails and texts. Thank you for that. It's always good to hear. I do appreciate it. Any final questions before we call it a night? Cool. Look at your calendar. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question about this uh, this ETF split coming up. Do we care about, uh, I mean, there's, do you, uh, I mean, it's, it's not a stock split. And I was wondering if it mattered, this SMH thing. Nope, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Mitch, is it a, is it a reverse split? No, it's a two for one. Yeah, probably just lowering the price. Yeah, not a big deal. Because remember, it's not going to change. Um, what do you call it? That's just based on their holdings. It's not saying the company is doing incredibly well or incredibly poorly. It may be just getting more volume out there. I'm not going to worry about it. So we don't it. attend to it the way we no. would a stock split. Nope, I'm not going to. Oh, on the other hand, Mitch, if you want to watch it and see, nothing wrong with that. It takes just a second to keep an eye on it, but I wouldn't expect to see much. And if it is, take it. I mean, if it gives you a normal trade, then go. Yeah, it, it, it's not doing anything pre-split. And yeah, I was curious what you expected. Cool. Good question. Other question. Oh, somebody typed in something here. Um, <laughs> Amy, you're welcome. She said, I, I took 45 pages of notes and I lied 15 pages or so later when I print the charts with a submitted trade, so that's cool. You got your 50, but you should be able to get 100 when Chris does these on Wednesday. I think that's all we got. Have a, a great couple of weeks. We've got the Wednesday webinar on the first Wednesday in December, I think is the right date. And then Fast Tracks at some point in May. So have a great couple of weeks. We will, if I'm, let me think, do we meet before that? Yeah, we was gonna say Happy Mother's Day, but I think we meet before Mother's Day. So I'll, I'll reissue that Happy Mother's Day statement in a couple weeks. Have a great night. Talk to you then.